Hi, and welcome to Joyful Projects, where we will explore the secret to real excellence in transforming our ideas into reality. Hi, I'm Paul Armstrong, and I've spent many years figuring out what it really means to enable joy in work, and I want to share my insights with you. My desire is to help those of you who have a responsibility to get a project done, to transform an idea into a reality, and if there's a team of you off to do that epic endeavor. Most of what I'll share will make sense to you, but here are some of the twists that will really unveil the secret to excellence. One, I'm not going to use the word manage. One, I find it's kind of confusing. You also see that I find that it actually works against you in a lot of ways. Two, surprisingly enough, I am going to be consistent with all the works that you may have read on how to do projects that a lot of times have that manage word in it. And three, in my search to understand joy and work, I found the answer not in the office, but while teaching Sunday school. It was right there at the beginning of both the Old and the New Testaments. So we are going to take Sunday's message and make it be our basis for Monday's mission. I'm excited to share this with you. I look forward to your feedback. Please subscribe so you'll find out when I post the next podcast episode. And if you want to learn more about me and Joy and Work, go to enablingjoy.com. That's enablingjoy. All one word. Okay, let's get moving. This is episode number one. We're going to set a few sort of foundational ideas out here that we're going to draw on all through of these. But what I'd like to do is first tell you that we are walking through in the same way a book that I wrote called Lead the Ideal Project. And in that, it really is about enabling joy and engaging excellence, holding them all together with communication over what I call the the drama of getting a project done. But we're going to take it a little part at a time. Now, you might say, why did I call that ideal? And one, I had fun with it because the word really was a play on the fact that we're taking an idea in making it Real, so ideal. That was kind of fun. Two, it means really cool, right? An ideal project. Wouldn't that be neat when we look back and say, boy, that was an ideal way to do it. But it also tends to be an acronym. And as we will unveil over the course of these podcasts, you'll see that I, D, E, A, and L will be able to remember 15 various stepping stones to joyful projects And they'll be the way that we unveil the secret to real excellence. So ideal. Now, what I'd like you to do is is challenge what you believe about project leading habits. If you want to be that personal leader you strive to be, you're you're going to have to examine your habits here, okay? And to, to really have a joyful project, you'll need to look at the current way you're doing things, and the rationales behind them. And so doing, uh, some of you are going to find that this approach challenges you to change every aspect of leading a project. And others, you may find that just you need to refine a few things. That's, that's fine. But regardless of any kind of improvement that you need to master or want to master, achieving this goal of joyful projects was going to require you to assess what you're doing now and challenge your beliefs and rationales. It's where a coach can be handy. I'm hoping that this podcast sort of serves as a coach, that as you walk through, you're able to do that. Now, if you want to follow along, 
You can download a Kindle version of Lead the Ideal Project, or you can buy the book. If you really are serious about it, I'd recommend going to lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, and downloading the Spiral Notebook version. That way you can take notes along the way. My desire is, is that you're going to become confident in both the components of enabling joy and the components of getting the excellence and the components of what holds them together. We all know what that is. It will hold all of us together. It's called communication over the storyboard, the life cycle of a project. So I'm going to give you kind of this as both a guide and a map to, to work along the way. So prepare to be involved. Prepare to be involved all the way through. Joyful projects. Joyful projects. Why? Why joy? Like, does this just mean like we want to just be happy and go, you know, that we don't have a care in the world and that we're going to have parties every Friday? Is that what we're talking about? It's not what we're talking about at all. So what I want to do is really challenge your assumptions and, and help you realize that there is a, a critical necessity why you, you, the competent, busy leader of something that most people call a project. I'm going to call it transforming an idea to reality. Why you need to care about your ability to enable joy. What, what's that really going to do for you? It, can I just go to the library, get a book on something called project management, and won't that do it all for me? Well, this podcast is for you if you realize already and or maybe have an inkling that as a leader of the project team, as someone who really wants to transform this well, that you need to do more than just meet the requirements. That, hey, right at the top of the back, you want to create a wow for whoever's going to be the recipient of this project, the users of it and or the payer of it, right? And ideally, ideally, if if you're a leader who serves your people, if you really care, you want to enrich the lives of those who are helping you and are also accomplishing this project. That you want to have those folks have a real passion for the contribution that they're making to this project and their ability to create value to that contribution. So I get it. I get it. If you, if you're still like, okay, I agree with all that, Paul, but I still don't understand what this joy term means. Let's step back. Let's flip it around. Let's flip it around. You could get a project done. You can get it done on time, on budget, on, you know, all those per the spec with good old fashioned Machiavellian bully leadership. You can get it done. Boom. You probably won't have those people to work with you next time. You probably will do no better than the minimum requirements. And chances are the customer may not want to work with you either in the future. You know, because what what does that bully leadership do? Well, (laughs) 
One, it makes your life miserable. That's what it does. It makes your life miserable. Because you know what happens when you're a bully leader? Everyone ducks down. Nobody wants to take accountability. Nobody even wants responsibility at that point. Tell me what to do. Tell me the minimum. I'll do it so I don't get in trouble. That's what they're thinking. And you know what happens? You get worked to death. (laughs) So if you're on a project right now and you're wondering why you're putting in 18-hour days, you might want to look at your leadership style. You might. Because that that team that you bully, that cowering team of folks that just want to stay out of trouble, they leave all the decisions in your hands. Okay? And (laughs) they're only going to provide the risk-free, non-creative answers. Okay? And they're only going to do what they're told. You know what? That becomes exhausting and exasperating for you. (laughs) And when you're exhausted and you're exasperated, it just makes your life more stressful. You know what you end up doing? You end up being a worse and and more frequent bully leader because you just run out of energy. You just run out of energy. So enabling joy, one, it's the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. Because it's based on the act not of using fear as a motivator, but actually removing fear. It's the way that you're going to sustain and grow your team's ability to transform their talents, the ones that you put them on the team to begin with, and transform them into strengths so they can be engaged for the excellence that you're going to achieve. They're engaged in it. Because what you're going to see is joy is confused a lot with, with other terms like happiness, okay? But really, what we're going to find is that We're talking about a joy that isn't a result. It's not what comes out of an experience. It's what goes in. It's an ingredient. It's an ingredient that leads to personal commitment. It's an ingredient that leads to professional fulfillment, personal contentment, joy, professional fulfillment, excellence. If you're picturing joy still as a bunch of people running around celebrating some victory or or something, think again. Think again. Because joy is a human capacity. It's not an emotion. It's a human capacity. I got this from, originally from Dr. W. Edwards Deming. I encourage you to look him up. He was born in 1900. The Japanese credit him and his philosophy with their ability to basically come out of the destruction and destitution following World War II to become basically an industrial power. Boy, within 20, 30 years, right? And he he did talk to American industries back in the 80s and 90s. He sadly passed away at the age of 93, worked right up pretty much till the day he passed away. But you'll find that most of modern industrial philosophy that is very quality-minded, customer-minded, employee-minded, and blending those three together, you'll find a lot of the parts and pieces of that were really what Deming was talking about. Really what he was talking about. We'll also see that it's based in work of folks like Dr. Kano from Japan, Frederick Herzberg, author of... A great article in the Harvard Business Review. It's been uh, actually published several times. It's super well-searched. 
Uh, it's called One More Time, How Do We Motivate Employees? It's also consistent with what you'll hear from Sean Acor, Daniel Kahneman, author of Thinking Fast and Slow, Simon Sinek. So what I'm sharing with you is consistent with them, but, but I want to make something clear right now. It's consistent with them, but I didn't find any of them to be as good of an authority as where I really found the answer. Now, mind you, I heard about Deming in the 90s, and I saw his term about removing fear and enabling joy. It made sense. I actually taught it, but I found I could not peel it back another layer. So I kept searching for what is underpinning this concept of enabling joy. And I found that answer, shockingly, one day when I was preparing for a Sunday school class when we were covering the story of creation, the very beginning of Genesis. And and in there, I saw that God gave Adam dominion over the earth. And dominion, that's an interesting word. Dominion really comes from a Latin word, which means head of the household. Okay, same place we get the word domicile. And and in other translations, it, it kind of comes from a, a Hebrew word, um, which means like a really good ruler. And then, well, God wouldn't have asked Adam to do that if he hadn't shown him how to do it. He wouldn't have said, oh, guess what? You're the boss. Good luck with that. He did, no, 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 he's a loving God, right? So I realized the answer to how to have dominion must be somewhere on top of there. And you know what? There's not a lot of Genesis to read on top of that verse. So we're going to delve into that. You're going to find that what I found there in Genesis was amazing. And and wow, now it really explained the beginning of the Gospels where angels are telling Mary and telling the shepherds, do not be afraid. I have tidings of great joy. Wow. Wow. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. I'm really excited to share this with you. It's been a delight to spend some time here with you today. Looking forward to episode number two. Meanwhile, you take care, keep exploring, and we'll keep moving. See you next time. Bye-bye.